of offending people who don't believe in Jesus. Oh, what do I think? Who cares? Let's tell them the truth. Don't give me, they're just living their truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, if it doesn't come from this book, it's not true. Today we discuss there's something more important than democracy. It's free speech. And we want to talk about why some people are so afraid of you, dear Christian, hearing the truth and then maybe speaking the truth. Plus, we discover where gender neutrality leads. Believe it or not, it leads right back to the patriarchy. And what does it say when a football commentator is more committed to the truth than a celebrity pastor? This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch, live. It is episode 19 of season six on The Deep End, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you would click that like button, that subscribe button, that notification bell, that you can get notified on your smart device every time we go live. That way you never miss an episode because you never know when they're going to take it down from YouTube because we might say something that is not appropriate. Not appropriate. Anyway, if there is one drum that had been consistently beaten for the last two years, it is the drum of democracy is at stake right democracy is at stake the peril of our democracy we've talked about this on the deep end for a while now but can i tell you that there is one thing that is more important than democracy if we're going to flourish as a society and that is free speech you don't have democracy if you don't have freedom of speech and so i want to talk to you about that how we are not have we we don't have access to freedom of speech anymore what we have is shaped speech and that's why censorship is so in vogue and it's happening almost every single day in america's most powerful institutions because it's not about protecting people from lies it's about promoting lies and that brings me to the deep end commentary yeah so i want to give a shout out if you will to bill maher he is an avowed atheist he is a total leftist a progressive secularist all those things that i am not but the shout out is because he had William Barr, former attorney general under Donald Trump, on his show this past Friday. And the conversation spun around to the threats to our democracy and freedom of speech. And there was an, a powerful clip. And I want to play it here for you where they have this conversation around free speech that we should be having. And I love what Bill Barr says to Bill Maher and how he reacts. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But first, watch. If it's not a democracy, is it still even well, a country? Speech is essential to democracy, just like voting. If someone says, what's okay. the major danger now to democracy? I, I agree, elections are critical and the right to vote is critical. But the thing that's most under attack is public discourse, which is essential. It's, it precedes voting. Okay. Well, look, I, I'm glad that we could disagree on a yeah. thousand things. Yeah. That's okay, because again, neither one of us is going anywhere. Right. Yeah, it's good for Bill Maher and Bill Barr, and I want this kind of thing to happen. We have two polar opposites in the ideological spectrum, right? Bill Maher, avid atheist, doesn't like faith, doesn't like Christianity, doesn't definitely does not like the Catholic Church. He's Jewish, not a, not an Orthodox Jew, obviously, an atheist Jew. Bill Barr, half Jewish as well, uh, born and raised Catholic. And they were talking face-to-face, -face, disagreeing peacefully, even though one disagrees hardly with the other. I want this. Don't you want this? I want Bill Maher to be able to speak freely, as much as I want to speak freely, as much as I want Bill Barr to speak freely. Even though I disagree with other people on many, many things, 
we have got to be able to speak. We've got to be able to have conversations that are truthful and honest and are going to fight for what we should allow or disallow as a society. And when you don't have that, you're going to get a manipulated ideological turn that we are experiencing right now in our country, a, 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 a manipulated ideological turn. I give you the recent arrest of one climate change champion, the school skipper, Greta Thunberg. She she was uh, caught by the police or arrested by the police in Germany as she was protesting a coal mine being expanded in that country. So NPR does yeoman work for the climate alarmist ideology. Yes, the school skipper, Greta Thunberg, standing strong and put in handcuffs. Can't you just imagine? She was probably turned around and searched and then, and then briskly shuffled off to a police paddy wagon and, and hauled off to the county jail where she awaited her bail payment to be made, right? No, that was the narrative of our media, our national public radio uh, outlet. This is the reality. She was videotaped during this arrest, quote unquote, and here's how that went down. You let me know if you'd prefer this kind of arrest, if you ever face arrest. I would. Watch this. Laughing and giggling. You also want those for you Being asked questions. Just being a little girl. I think she's 20 or something now. Let's get that photo up. Let's make sure it looks good for the camera. Surrounded by police, getting arrested. And there she is being hauled off. Again, I don't know about you, but if I ever face arrest, I want it to be like that. I hope to be giggling and posing for photos with police officers. That would be a great moment. Why does this matter? Am I picking on Greta Thunberg? No, I'm, I'm picking on the media here. I'm picking on the people who should be telling us the truth, reporting the facts. Okay? Not being a part of an ideological manipulation program to shape speech so that only one side of the aisle, one side of every conversation is represented or is promoted. You see, shaped speech is not free speech. And right now, our democracy is at stake because of that very thing, shaped speech, uh, spe shaped speech in politics, shaped speech in the church, shaped speech in media, in entertainment options, and most definitely in the educational uh, program of the United States. And that does affect our democracy, how we choose to self-govern. Because if we aren't allowed to hear facts and figures, and if we only get falsified images of speech, then we may choose maybe a less qualified politician to lead us. The democracy that we have is at stake because right now it's not about protecting people from lies. It's about promoting lies to make people stupid. That's really the case here. You're, you're getting a fabricated, falsified version of what's news and what's facts, and then you're making a very uneducated decision as to what should be happening in our society. And you have to understand this, and I, I'm sure many of our Deep End listeners, you already know that this is true. I'm not telling you anything new, but it's going to get worse, and it seems to be getting worse on a daily basis. Let's skip across the pond to the little island country of Malta. This is a small country. 
Uh, I wouldn't even know where it was. I had to look it up. I'm going to show you later where it is on the map. But this is from uh, Fox News. Christian charity worker faces potential jail time fine after speaking out about leaving LGBT lifestyle. So this person's name is Matthew Gretsch, he's a law, uh, and his lawyer was speaking out and, and, tell, and telling Fox News that he's about to be put in jail simply because he told a story about leaving the homosexual lifestyle. That's it. He didn't promote anybody else to leave it. He didn't, he didn't try to conversion therapy anybody out of it. He just told his story, and his story, him speaking, violated his country's ban on conversion practices, which we talked about last week is totally fine if you want to make people bisexual or gay from the straight community, but but never the other way around. That's that's conversion therapy. So there's only one conversion therapy that's allowed, and that is to the bisexual or homosexual lifestyle, but never, ever, ever back to the straight lifestyle. Okay, so again, the country of Malta, small little island country off the southern shores of Sicily, the little island off the boot of Italy. The article reads, according to a transcript uh, of his interview from PM News Malta, at no point did Gretsch invite anyone to attend therapy to change their sexual orientation or gender identity, though he was critical of the Maltese law and explained how he came to believe that homosexuality is not an identity, but rather a practice that was incompatible with his Christian faith. Quote, they knew my stance around homosexuality and sexuality in general, so they wanted to hear a little bit more about it because many shunned the other side of the story. Yes, exactly. Shaped speech. Uh, it says, but these guys wanted to explore it because they're, f they're for freedom of speech and they don't like it when viewpoints are shut down simply because they are unpopular. Gresh said that after LGBT activists with ties to the Maltese government and the Malta gay rights movement reported him to the police for the interview, he now faces up to 5,000 lira in fines or up to five months in prison if convicted of violating Article 3 of Malta's Affirmation of Sexual Orientation, Gender and Gender Expression Act, which makes it unlawful for any person to advertise conversion practices. The journalists who interviewed him also have upcoming court dates and face potential criminal sanctions for their part in conducting the interview. So these people, these journalists, just have an a interview with a guy who is a former homosexual, and now they themselves face potential criminal sanctions in the island of Malta. Now, again, this is not America. I understand this is not America, but it is headed that way. It is coming to America. Uh, the article also mentions uh, uh, Grinch rightly says they want to ban Christian counseling in churches simply because it does not conform to their religion. They, they claim not to be religious, but I can tell you that they are just as religious as everybody else. And he has hit the nail on the head here because what has happened in our country, some of you are wondering, what is going on? Here's what happened. We took religion out of the public square thinking that we wouldn't have religion, but what we got was a replacement religion, the sexual confusion religion, the LGBT pride lifestyle religion. This has become the new American religious practice. And because it's not technically classified as a religion, it gets all kinds of free passes in the public sphere, in public conversation, in education, and indoctrinating young people because it's quote-unquote not a religion. But it is fundamentally a functional religion. It's a religion, I've talked about this before, of the, genti of the genitals. <laughs> Gentiles. <laughs> it's actually appropriate to biblical, biblically. But it really is. It's a, it's a religion of one's genitals. Everything about me comes down to what's underneath my underwear. And the tolerant people have become the opposite, opposite of tolerant. I mean, I am old enough to remember back in 2003 when they were fighting for homosexual marriage and they told us, we just want to live our lives, end quote. We just want to live our lives. We don't, we don't want to interfere with your life. No, no, no. And if you had told those people in 2003 that, we were, that one day countries would be arresting people just for telling their story, 
of leaving the homosexual lifestyle or interviewing somebody who told their story about leaving the homosexual lifestyle, that person would be faced with crimes and imprisonment. I guarantee you those people would have been shocked too. But this is the slippery slope of cultural decay that we're facing right now. And there is a shaped speech being foisted upon you every single day. Watch the ideologies that come across in popular entertainment, in your Netflix binge watching, in your episodes of, I don't know, Chicago PD or Law and Order or whatever other show right now is making waves in our culture. And the narrative of even the storytelling is always shaped a certain way to shape your heart. Add to that news out of TheVerge.com that TikTok's own employees are confirming now that they can decide what goes viral and what doesn't go viral. So the TikTok employees, by the way, TikTok owned by parent company ByteDance, that is also in league with the Chinese Communist Party that runs Communist China right now. Their employees decide what videos are going to be seen by your kiddos and what videos are not going to be seen by your kiddos. And so when it comes to gender confusion, what do you think the CCP wants our young people to do? They want, to, they want our young people to embrace it. Meanwhile, and I've talked about this on this show before, they are giving their young people in China educational videos, pro-communist content, communist, uh, pro-China content that makes, makes their young people feel proud to be Chinese and makes our young people in this country feel like America is an evil, no good, very bad racist place. That's where we are currently in our cultural moment. So consider this. Your Christian teen is on TikTok. And you think, well, it's, you know, they're just watching cat videos and it's harmless. And, and every once in a while, yeah, sure, there's something that they might run across that might be questionable. But for the most part, I trust my Christian teen. Okay, well, let's just put this scenario forward. Your Christian teen sees a video about a guy talking about or a woman talking about the fact that women and men can breastfeed and have children. And so your Christian teen says, I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to be a Christian hero. I'm going to stand for my convictions. So they just comment on that video. They just comment on the video, the following words, only women can breastfeed and have children. Now this comment is on somebody else's TikTok video and your teenage son and daughter think, okay, it's over. It's over, right? No, not so fast. The LGBT brown coats march in with the language of tolerance with intolerance for the sane and truthful, such as this example that I ran across. Imagine your kid getting a reaction video like this on TikTok. Watch. Hi. So I did stop by your page really quickly to see that you were 14 years old. You've got so much time to learn and be more open-minded and more kind and accepting towards other people. So let me just really quickly try and tell you why what you're saying is wrong and hurtful. Let's start with only women can give birth. I'm a man and I'm going to give birth. So you're already wrong there. But there are also lots of other people, people who are non-binary or intersex and they give birth. And again, they're not women. Then the term breastfeeding versus chest feeding. Well, for some people, it's actually just more comfortable to call it chest feeding. Some women who have experienced trauma or been abused, they might prefer the term chest feeding. But then we loop back around to not all birthing people are women. So not all birthing people have breasts. Hence the term chest feeding. I understand that your opinions and your beliefs may be deep rooted and ingrained in whatever your parents have taught you to believe, and that's okay. You still have plenty of time to form your own opinions and even educate others in your life. These people are evil. They, they are not well, they are mentally disturbed, and they are coming for your sons and daughters on TikTok. And TikTok employees are making sure that in America, at least, your 14-year-old and 13-year-old gets lectured by a woman who thinks he's a man. She's a man and 
is telling your child that your beliefs as a parent are really bad. Bad, bad. Shame on your parents. Listen to what I'm saying. Now, I believe that there's a lot of good, strong Christian teens and churches across America that are going to watch that and say, this guy is cray cray and amen and amen. But just know that it's happening. They're targeting you and your children with lies from the pit of hell. All in the name of progress. And social media is in on this. Shaped speech. Democracy is in peril because free speech is no longer free. It's shaped speech and it's shaped by only one particular ideology in our country. And then we get to the absolutely absurd. Like a guy going online with literally facial hair... <laughs> on TikTok and sharing about his traumatic experience of being kicked out of a women's restroom. Here he is talking about how his neighbor shamed him for trying to use the ladies' bathroom. Watch. Well, this is just lovely. I had a neighbor confront me for using the women's restroom. I lived here for four and a half years. Everyone should know that I'm a trans woman. I've always been known as Kaylee. I've always used she, her pronouns. I've been having some stomach issues because of trulicity and I'd use the bathroom real quick and they're single use bathrooms and it's the only place that I feel safe using the woman's bathroom. Well, I got done and got out and this neighbor was talking to another neighbor and started pointing out the sign. I knew exactly what she was talking about because there's a big old woman sign. And I'm like, is there a problem? She's like, yeah, you're using the woman's restroom. You're a man. And I said, I'm a trans woman. And she's like, no, you're a man. And she kept. <laughs> okay. And again, we, we have a, a serious mental illness problem in our country. If you are under the impression that this is a woman, you need help. You are part of the problem and you need serious deliverance. At this point, it's not even education or therapy or counseling. You need deliverance because this is demonic. This is demonic. A man with scruff uh, looking like he's homeless, to be honest with you, just to be real. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't let that guy near myself. Never mind my 14 year old daughter in a lady's bathroom entrance or exit. I don't care if it was single use. This is where we are as a country, though. This is where we are even on our social media. And this is insanity. And you need to arm yourself. You need to be aware. I feel like more and more that I just have to remind you of this stuff. I just have to talk about this stuff on this channel. Because I think it's just simply helping you realize that you're not freaking crazy. Like, that's what I said to two people this week about what this channel is. This channel is dedicated to helping you Christians remember that you are not crazy. You are actually very wise and truthful, and you are with the truth. The, the, the majority, however, is not. Or at least you're made to feel like the majority is not. I don't actually think that the majority is not. I think that the majority is with the truth, but they are just kind of like trying to placate this insanity, trying to ignore this insanity, trying to think it's going to go away quietly, which will not happen. It will get louder and louder and louder until somebody or something really climactic happens and the nonsense is finally put down for what it always has been. Insanity, demonic, idolatry, and lies from the enemy, the father of lies. We cannot take this lightly. We cannot not speak out about it. Uh, the political offices have been hijacked. Education, hijacked. Entertainment, hijacked. And counselors and therapists, even Christian ones, are seeing their industry being hijacked. Yes, Christian counselors and therapists, their industry, their, their aim and, and cause to help people struggle through the issues of sexuality and gender 
If you do this from a Christian worldview, you are now going to be in trouble and potentially arrested. This is a news article out of the National Review. It details how conversion therapy bans threaten to criminalize dissent on gender identity and sexuality. This is a therapist talking about, this article talks about a therapist in a Wisconsin-based counseling um, company, and he provides Christian counsel to people to help them walk through same-sex attraction or out of same-sex attraction if they want to. Like, and he doesn't not counsel same-sex attraction people, and he doesn't uh, ban his practice from homosexual homosexuals or transgenders. He helps all people. But, but he wants to help those who are Christian, and they want to leave that lifestyle. He wants to help them out as they want to get out of that lifestyle. But now the rule, the laws that are coming on the books are there's only one rule now for all the counselors, and that is affirm, affirm, and affirm. Even if there are high medical risks for gender reassignment treatment or drugs, you must affirm them. Uh, Even if this person is later going to regret the decision that they make as a minor or as a teen or as a young 20-year-old, you must affirm them. This is this culture is proud to destroy people in the name of tolerance. Meanwhile, the end game of tolerance and inclusion, which <laughs> this article is warning about, right? It comes back around to something that is very intolerant and exclusive. An article from the Daily Mail in Britain. This is hilarious. Just listen to the title of it, okay? Sam Smith, this is a musical artist. Sam Smith admits it's a shame no women have been nominated for Brit's Best Award, Artist Award following gender-neutral overhaul despite previously calling for the ceremony to be more quote-unquote, reflective. So Sam Smith, he's an artist. Uh, He sings a bunch of songs that are very, very popular, both in Britain, Europe, and in America. And a few years ago, he spoke out about the fact that there shouldn't be awards for men and women. That's very exclusionary to trans people and non-binary people. There should just be a one, uh, one category. There should be an all people best artist uh, award. And so the nominations came out this year and uh, this is on the heels of a 2021 decision for the British Awards show that said it would be abolishing the male and female categories and a bit again to be more inclusive. And so the very first year that this happens, guess what? No women are nominated for Best Artist in Britain. No women, just men. And not even men, women identifying as men, just men. This is progress, people. Progress, progress, progress. You know, see, here's the rule. The patriarchy isn't bad if dad dresses like mom. See, the patriarchy is only bad if the guy is a guy. But if the guy wants to pretend to be a girl, then it's totally fine. And the good news is is that Sam Smith is more than willing to dress up like a woman and perform, sporting either a bedazzled leotard or a skirt holding a dove and wearing earrings. In the end, ladies and gentlemen, all this social justice woke crap is leading us right back to a male-dominated society. As long as the man looks and acts like a woman. Ran by women. Yeah, we talked about that on the Miss Universe thing last week. So that's what it is. It's all about men looking like women, which is really just an attack on the patriarchy or on um, fatherhood. Really, this is what it comes down to. And let me just take a, a brief moment to deal with this from a pastoral perspective. You see, 
God identifies himself as our father. Jesus shows up on the scene and the first thing he's doing is telling people, okay, he's now father. When you pray, say our father. Uh, When he arises from the grave in John 20, he tells Mary, go and tell my disciples that I am ascending to our God, my God and your God, to my father and your father. In other words, you are now adopted into the family of the living God who is a loving heavenly father. He is in control. He owns you. He is Lord over you. He is sovereign. He is the one to whom you must give account. Like your life is going to be one day judged by your heavenly father. Good news. He loves you enough to give you his only begotten son so that you won't be judged for your sins, but you will be set free from your sins and accepted into the fatherhood family of God. And so this is why, this is why we get articles and news about how it's only acceptable for uh, men to be men and in charge as long as they act and look like women. Men by women. Yeah, they've got to look like women. They've got to act like women. And that is not, that is not an attack on women. No, 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 no. That's actually progress. That is a good thing. So perverts going into the woman's bathroom is a good thing. Why? Because we need to tear down fatherhood. We need to tear down red-blooded men who lead their families and their wives and are in charge. This is a subconscious or under the surface attack on God the Father. Our country, our world hates God. Some of you are under the impression that people are ambivalent about God. No, 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 no. Deep down inside, Scripture says in Romans chapter 5 that men hate God. We live as enemies of God. We run from God. We deny God. We reject God. Well, God comes running after us in the person of Jesus Christ. He comes to seek and save that which was lost. He brings us into his family. He reconciles us. This is the language of Ephesians. We are reconciled back to God. We we are we are now made friends with Jesus and sons and daughters of the living God. That's who we are, right? Well, those outside of the faith are not those people. They are still at odds with God and they are at odds with the fatherhood of God. And so all that we are seeing, this transgender craziness, right? This is just pointing out the fact that men are at odds with God. Men and women are at odds with God. That, and here's how it plays out. That as long as a man pretends to be a woman... He can dominate women in women's sports, in the NCAA track and field events or swimming events. He can dominate women in award shows. He can dominate women in uh, whatever industry that he wants to, as long as he looks and acts and pretends to be a Ran by women. Women, yeah. And this is coming to America. Now, that was a British story, right? And it just kind of reminds us that we are living in the Hunger Games, and there's Caesar Flickman laughing at us. But this is coming to America. Sam Mendes, the director of 19. 19- 17 and American Beauty says that gender neutral Oscars are inevitable. And I just want to say that I think this is great. I really do. Yes. Yes to this. I vote yes, because the Oscars have been in search for that final nail in the coffin of total irrelevance for a while. And they are reaching all time lows. And this might be it. I mean, I think that today is the day that they released the Oscar nominations, and you wouldn't even know that if I hadn't said that to you. And the only reason why I knew that is because I looked up these articles before I did the show. (laughs) The irrelevance of the Oscars is a good thing because it's showing the world. It's showing the Hollywood players, if you will, the power players, that most of the world does not get down with this. Most of the world is not okay with this. Most of the world is saying, right? We, we know that, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And, and okay, if you don't want us to say anything, we won't say anything. But, but it would be nice. 
It would be nice if a few people would just step up and speak the truth. It would be great, by the way, if you did me a solid favor and liked this content and hit that subscribe button and then hit that notification bell so you get notified every time we bring this truth to you because you're not going to find it anywhere else. And sadly, one of the places where you're not going to find it is in the big church movement. See, the big church movement has also been hijacked. The celebrity pastor craze has been hijacked. And that brings me to Andy Stanley. A clip from Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church in uh, Georgia has been surging through Twitter for the past two days, and we need to discuss it. This is Andy Stanley. He is the son of very popular uh, Bible preacher for many, many decades, Charles Stanley out of Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I very much once greatly respected Andy Stanley. He taught me a lot, actually, about a pastor, how to preach, how to teach God's word, and how to speak in a way so that non-believers can hear and learn about Jesus from their place, wherever they are. And I, I did. I appreciated his input. But now I've watched over the last few years as slowly but surely the language the monikers that are coming out of his church and out of his own mouth are slowly but surely seeming to get to that place of affirming the homosexual lifestyle. I've talked about Andy Stanley before, how he believes that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, how we don't want to talk about that Old Testament Bible because it's very offensive to homosexuals or, I don't know, pagans. <laughs> And he does like to do whatever it takes to make unbelievers feel comfy in the church. And I can agree with that to some extent. Like, we should be open to anybody outside of our church buildings. We put a big sign, come as you are. And we do. We want you to come as you are. We don't want you to have to become a Christian before you can hear about Christ. That's how you become a Christian. You have to hear about Christ first. And so when you're hearing about Christ, if you come and if you're homosexual, if you're a transgender, if you're, I don't know, a, a, a porn producer or a murderer or a, a, a criminal that is a lifetime thief, we want you to come to our church. And when you come, we want you to come as you are and hear about Jesus so that he can change who you are. But here in this clip that I'm about to show you, Andy Stanley is taking it one step further with the way in which he uses, listen, shaped speech to inform church leaders how to address and how to think about homosexuality and homosexuals in the church. Now, I'm going to play the whole clip, and I want you first to listen to it and hear the phrases that this celebrity pastor, I mean, his church is like 40,000, 50,000 people strong. It's a massive impact upon evangelical Christianity. He holds an annual conference for church leaders from around the country called Drive. This talk comes from his talk in his Drive conference. So he is speaking to pastors about church leadership, and he's addressing some issues about volunteers and then he kind of does something that is absolutely insulting to not only himself, his hearers, and the pastors in that congregation, but to you and to me. And so watch it, and then we'll discuss. Let's go. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? 
I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. Yikes. Now, I really hesitate from critiquing other pastors and their speeches because this could be taken out of context completely. And I will admit that maybe that is the case. I would love to get a hold of the entire teaching. I couldn't, I looked for it. It's a, like I said, a leadership conference, drive conference uh, talk that he gave to church leaders. However, just taking it on the surface, there's enough here to have a problem with. Let me put up here on the screen the quote that he literally just said. A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community. I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. Okay, right here. Andy Stanley is literally insulting himself. He's insulting every pastor in that church who gave up far more lucrative endeavors in life to pastor in many cases, very small churches, rural churches, churches with probably less than 100 people. That takes faith. Okay, and now you're going to tell that pastor, the, the homosexual who's in your church has way more faith than you because he shows up while you literally give your life to the ministry of the word to 100 people for the rest of your life. He insults them. He insults that audience. And no one says anything. Like there's no kickback. There's no, I don't know, I couldn't hear very well, but I, there's no groans from the audience. And then this next part of the quote, quote, I know 1 Corinthians 6, and I know Leviticus, and I know Romans 1 was so interesting to talk about all that stuff. Really? That's what we're going to talk about when we talk about the word? Well, I know, you know, the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. Really interesting to talk about don't murder. Really interesting to talk about don't commit adultery. All that stuff. Like, wait a second. Is that how we're going to talk about the word of God? The word that, that Jesus quoted? The word that Jesus fulfilled? The word that said points to me? All that stuff? No, no, no. This is, this is very concerning from my point of view as a pastor when I hear a very influential megachurch, gigachurch pastor talking to church leaders like this about the word of God. And, and then moving on. He says, we have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, but we've got to figure this out. Clobber passages seriously like and, and then a group of men and women who love jesus that much if you love jesus you do what he commands that's the measure from jesus's words himself john 14 15 as to whether or not you love him 
So identifying yourself, and again, the shaped speech as gay. You understand that gay, the term, used to mean happy, and now it has been co-opted. It has been shaped, okay, to define an entire group of people who refuse who refuse to honor God with their sexuality. And, and then the term gay community. This is, again, shaped speech coming from the mouth of a hugely influential gigachurch pastor in America in 2023. He has already yielded territory to the secularist agenda by accepting their self-prescribed designations and language. He has, again, insulted every pastor and church worker there in that audience. And then he says this, and this is not on the screen, but remember when he says, when have you ever been in a place where you weren't accepted but kept showing up? And then he humorously refers to the in-laws house, which, again, that might be an assault to in-laws, maybe his in-laws, I don't know. But it's, it's also kind of weird that he would say that to pastors. Seriously? For many pastors, the one place where they show up, where they aren't accepted and keep showing up, do you know where it is? Their, their church. They're going to show up at a church that might hate what they're teaching, might hate what they're talking about, might be attacking them for changing, I don't know, the carpet or the curtains or the paint color of the house uh, that he lives in. <laughs> this guy really has no love or no patience or no compassion for small church pastors and, and faithful pastors who are bearing up under the weight of preaching the word of God every single week. And he literally extols the virtues of homosexuals over those men and those people who are doing the work of the ministry. Okay, now let's talk about clobber passages, Turn, referring to Bible passages as clobber passages. Really? Again, this is insane to hear from Andy Stanley. And again, I have great, I had, used to have, great respect for this man. And I'd love more answers. I'd love to hear more about this. Am I taking this out of context? I'm willing to say I'm wrong if I could get the whole video and take a look at it. But this is very disconcerting. And I think just on the surface of it, there's enough evidence there to see that this man is inching ever closer to becoming one of those affirming churches. And if he becomes an affirming church, Watch the dominoes fall. Watch how many of the pastors who desperately want their churches to grow, who desperately want people to show up, watch them say, well, it's working for Andy. It's working for North Point Church. Well, maybe I should do it too. Because so many pastors, so many church leaders are not committed to doing what's faithful and biblical. They're, do, they're, they're committed to doing what's pragmatic and uh, expedient. What will get people into the church so that I can grow my church and have something to boast about. I mean, do, do we forget that, that Jesus talked about homosexuality? A lot of people want to say, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, he talks about the fact that in the beginning, God created them male and female. So there's the transgender debate in Jesus' words. God created them male and female. There's not a thousand genders. There's two. There's two sexes created by God in the beginning. And a man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall hold fast to his wife, not a man to his husband, not a woman to her wife. No, the two men and woman shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's from the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus was asked about controversial issues of his day, in this case, divorce, he doesn't go back to the law. He doesn't go back to Moses. He doesn't go back to the kings and the narrative histories of Israel. He goes all the way back to God's original intention. Man, woman, two genders in sexual union, one man, one woman for life, no divorce. And you're going to expect me to believe that Jesus never spoke about this stuff? You're going to try to pass off this idea? You're going to try to act like, well, if Jesus didn't mention it, it's not sin? Jesus never mentioned rape. Is that sin? I mean, we've got to understand that there's a way to interpret Scripture. And the way that Andy Stanley chooses to talk about homosexuality is entirely 
disconcerting, and let me just say this, very disingenuous. Here's why. Remember the quote. A gay person wants to attend your church after we've treated the gay community and they have more faith than I do and more faith than you do. Let's replace the term gay, that sin, or homosexual, which is really what I should say, with a different sin, shall we? Let's do a little practice with this. Let's say he came out and said, an unrepentant adulterer who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the unrepentant adulterer community, I'm telling you they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. But Andy would never say that. Why? Because it's not culturally expedient. Because he has been shaped through the speech codes of this culture. How about this? A drug dealer who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the drug dealer community. How about a wife abuser who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the wife abuser community? I mean, it's kind of like it gets to a point of hilarity here. Because we don't do this. We don't do this with any other sin. No pastor does this. Before I talk about homosexuality, I want to talk about the fact that I have a lot of gay friends and I love gay people and I, they do that all the time with the homosexuals, but they never do it with, well, before we talk about adultery, I want to tell you, I have a lot of adultering friends and there are, some of my best friends are adulterers and I really love the adulterers and I don't want to offend the I mean, We don't do that. We treat now, we treat homosexuality with kid gloves. Like I remember the days where homosexuality used to be the worst sin in the church and that's wrong. That's hundred percent wrong. It's not the worst sin in the church. No, 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 no. But now it's the best sin in the church. <laughs> now it's like, if you want to come to church, you know, repent of all your sin, except homosexuality, because we don't want to offend your community. We want to be here for you. We want to make sure that you feel comfy. Well, the church has abdicated, the celebrity church, the celebrity pastor church, is starting to abdicate its role to be prophetic, to be countercultural, to speak the truth with love, but to speak the truth. And, 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 and where do we see courage? Where do I see courage? Not in the pulpits, not in the celebrity pulpits of this country. No, we actually find courage in former pro football coaches who are now NFL commentators. See, because another unpopular topic for many celebrity pastors and Christians is the topic of abortion. And into that minefield marched the very brave and bold NFL coach and commentator, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, a committed Christian, showed up at this past weekend's March for Life. If you didn't know, this past weekend March marked the 50th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. We all know that six months ago, Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. Amen. Praise God. But there's so much reaction to all that and so much more work that needs to be done because all it did was really just kick back abortion rights to the state level. And so they are marching still to this day and good for these people who are showing up and marching and good for the churches that support this movement and the pastors who do speak up about this movement, not celebrity, famous pastors, but, but, but many faithful pastors. And here we have Tony Dungy doing the work of what pastors should be doing. He took to the podium to say things that I haven't heard a single celebrity pastor do in over 10 years. He spoke up for the life of the unborn and I want you to hear his entire comments here, watch. Three weeks ago, during a game in Cincinnati, something happened that impacted our entire country. A young man named DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills made a routine tackle and his heart stopped beating right on the field. It could have been tragic, but something miraculous happened. The team medical staff rushed out. They got DeMar's heart started again. But you know what? That wasn't the miracle. The real miracle was the reaction of everyone to that. The announcers on the broadcast, what did they say? All we can do is pray. And all across the country, people started praying. 
Laura and I, we were having dinner with friends of ours, and we stopped what we were doing, and we prayed right there. The Bills players played right, prayed right on the spot. Now, usually when that happens, the cameras cut away from that because we don't like to see that. Back when I was coaching in the 1990s, a few Christian players got together and they said, we want to pray after the games. And we actually got a memo from the NFL office that said, don't let your players do that. If you do, you'll be fined because that's not appropriate. Can you believe that? that that's a true story. But last week or three weeks ago, everybody on that field was praying. And it continued. The next week, at every stadium in the NFL, teams got together and prayed, and it was amazing. Well, those prayers were answered. DeMar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. And people wanted to see that life saved. Even people who aren't necessarily religious got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging to us because that's exactly why we're here today. Because every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. And the only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete and they're not seen on national TV. But those lives are still important to God and in God's eyes. Amen. Tony Dungy saying what I haven't heard a celebrity pastor say in forever. Tony Dungy is the anti-Stanley, literally. And, and then he bore up under the assault because when you speak up truth, the people who love lies will hate you. And Tony Dungy probably knew it. He's not ignorant. He's not a moron. He's smart. He's brilliant. This man is a very successful man and a very wise man and a godly man. And so the social media elites exploded with very, very tolerant commentary on Tony Dungy's speech. Uh, Amisha Cross tweeted out, this is vile, disrespectful to DeMar Hamlin and his family, and quite frankly, wildly out of order. Tony Dungy crossed the line repeatedly, but this might be the grossest attempt at flying into the culture wars. I'll give it to Repubs. They always find a black man to carry the water. How is that not racist? It's not racist because of shaped speech laws. Free speech, censorship, shaped speech, <laughs> censored speech, or shaped speech dictates how we can say things that are very racist in a very non-racist way, such as Amisha Cross does here. Or consider Keith Olbermann. Dear NBC Sports, if you have any remaining concern for your operational reputation, fire Tony Dungy now. He is using you. NBC, I believe, fired Keith Olbermann, so maybe, I don't know, he's mad at them, but it seems like he's more mad at Tony Dungy than he is about the employee employer that fired him. More evidence of tolerance from the intolerant and the sheep the speech shapers of our of our day. Uh, Dave Zirin, who I don't even know who this person is. I'm done with Tony Dungy and the way the NFL and the NBC coddle his right-wing extremism. So I wrote about it. Uh, that article is, Tony Dungy is a far-right-wing zealot and the NFL and NBC don't care. The Washington Post put out an article, Tony Dungy shows the regressive and intolerant worst in sports. And another article, Fire Dungy Now. The left demands that NBC sack legendary coach after speaking at the March for Life. So again, 
you have somebody on your show and you interview them about their leaving homosexuality, going to prison in Malta. In America, if you have somebody speak or you show up to speak at the very, very culturally out of touch March for Life group, which we now have vilified and demonized as the pariahs of society, well, that person now is in trouble of losing their job and their profession. Now, up to this commentary, they have not fired Tony Dungy and good on NBC for not doing that and not caving to the woke scolds and the crowd of the the cries of the intolerant. But we are seeing it ever more increase in our day and age. And today is a day to speak up, not, not, not quiet down, speak up. You are a Christian, you're a taxpayer, you're an American, speak up. You at least can speak, right? You can say something. You might not be heard, you might be shouted down, you might be fired, you might lose something. You might lose, I don't know, friends, promotions, opportunities. But didn't that happen to our forebears in the faith? Didn't that happen to the people who were persecuted under Roman, Roman law, who were persecuted when they stood up in the Reformation times against the Catholic Church and its abuses? Didn't people lose for the sake of Christ? That's what we're supposed to do? It feels like we have lost the art of losing for Christ. It feels like we have lost the art of losing for the one who said, unless you lose your whole life, for my sake, you cannot find your life. But thank God, thank God for people like Tony Dungy. He is a problem for the intolerant left because the truth offends some people. And we need more people like him to stand up. Why? Because the pro-choice crowd is very loud and proud. And again, they are supported by every cultural institution of our day. Consider our vice president, Kamala Harris, who spoke this past weekend, not about life, of course, but about the right to ending life in the act, the, the, the secular sacrament of abortion. This past week in prepared remarks. Now, I remind you, these are prepared remarks. Somebody wrote these down, put them on a teleprompter, and said, this is what you're saying exactly. And we had to do a lot of digging to find this video because it has been scrubbed from everywhere. So it's my, this might be one of the last places where you ever hear it or see it. And just listen to her talk about the founding document of the United States. And notice if you can see if anything's missing from her commentary on what makes us a nation. Listen. So we are here together because we collectively believe and know America is a promise. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Be clear, these rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Okay. Did you notice anything was missing? (laughs) Um, In case you're not aware of what the preamble to the Declaration of Independence says, it says we hold these truths, sorry, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What did Kamala say? That we are entitled to liberty in the pursuit of happiness, so you have to exclude life and These rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Just being an American now, according to Kamala Harris, the 
person that is a hair breadth away from the presidency of the United States, by the way, believes that these rights came out of nowhere and they belong to us as Americans and there is no creator, which is exactly how you have to get, which is what, exactly what you have to remove if you're going to get to the celebration of the right to abortion. You cannot possibly celebrate abortion when you believe in a creator God who knits you together in your mother's womb. You cannot celebrate abortion if you're going to believe that the Constitution guarantees the right to life. You have to remove those terms in order to celebrate abortion. And thank you, Kamala, for being the first honest politician to do that. Literally rewrite the Declaration of Independence for the sacred secular sacrament of abortion. The fact that these howling jackals in the crowd listening to that cheered with enthusiasm exposes how little education people get today about our modern, uh, about our civics and about the founding of our country. A butchered quote from America's most sacred document is roundly applauded. And that is because shaped speech is all we're getting today. See, you've got to stand up and you've got to take the heat and you've got to listen to the people who tell you to take the heat and follow even when it's, I don't know, not convenient and not appreciated and not celebrated. Because there's one thing that you have to understand. The world doesn't mind compromised Christians. The world doesn't like committed Christians. If you're going to be a compromised Christian, if you're going to placate to the gay community and use their lingo and use their monikers and use their language to excoriate Christian pastors for being so hateful and intolerant all these years and shame on you and they put you to shame, um, well, that person gets celebrated by our culture. But if you're going to stand up and tell the truth, if you're going to say what's true and what's right, if you're going to quote the words of Jesus as they are and live according to Jesus' words as he said them and believe what Jesus said, very intolerant things like, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Very intolerant things like, unless you hate your father and mother and your brother and your sister and your whole family and your own life for my sake, you cannot be my disciple. Or get these things out of my father's house. And he made a whip and he chased them out. Very intolerant. I, I know I know. we have this image in modern America of, of meek and mild Jesus who wears a flowing white robe and has a nice handsome beard and, and cool Swedish long locks and holds that nice cute little lamb on his shoulders as he walks back to the flock. But that Jesus is only part of the story. It's only part of the picture. He's also the guy who made a whip and drove out the money changers. He's also the guy that insulted the power players of his day. Only the power players of his day were not secularists who loved to kill babies. They were religious people who loved to control others. And their religion, you know, pretty much is out of power now. And the new religion of sexual gratification is in power. And if Christians don't step up and speak up, if Christians don't bear the heat, then the next generation is for in a heat, heap of trouble. See, what does Paul say about the darkened mind of the unbelievers in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 and 19? He says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due in them due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, and practice to practice every kind of impurity. In other words, Paul is shaping us, uh, showing us, he is showing us very clearly that People are so darkened, they're so ignorant, they're so callous, there's no way they can ever be saved except for an act of the living God. That's the fact. Your unbelieving spouse cannot be saved except for a miraculous act of the living God. But the good news is this, that Jesus said to his disciples, what is impossible for man is possible with God. And so these people who are callous and ignorant and alienated and darkened can be saved if the light of Jesus is shined into their life. But the light of Jesus is never going to be shined into their life if we don't tell the truth. If you don't say it was honest, if we don't quote the word and speak up. Anyway, that was my wrong, long running commentary on this episode. And I have one more thing to share with you. And it's actually 
Uh, really, really good news. So let's talk about it because Yale has discovered the University of Yale, that secular institution of complete intolerance, <laughs> has once again determined that the Bible was always right all along. And they have done it very unconsciously, subconsciously. And I would like to share that with you on the last segment of the show tonight. Really good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. There is a never-ending search for happiness today. People want to be happy. Happiness above all. Well, God is not anti-happy. In fact, the Beatitudes are the pathway to happiness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, the word blessed in Greek is makarios. It means happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right? Well, Yale University has been finding that one of its most popular courses, How to Be Happy, needs to be spread further than its university campus. And so they are offering online to teens a hybrid course on how to be happy. And every semester, thousands of young Yale students uh, uh, register for this one class. It is Yale's most popular class, How to Be Happy. And so they have revamped it for teenagers in high school because teenagers are also suffering a, uh, a dearth of happiness. And they're offering it online, and I think it's free of charge, and I encourage you to look it up because it's really incredible what they found. Guess what they found? They found out that what the Bible says about how to be happy was right all along. And so here's from the Washington Post. Yale's hugely popular happiness course is revamped for teens. I want to read a lot of this article. Bear with me as we do so. A widely popular course at Yale University about the psychology of happiness has been retooled for teens. It teaches them how to better manage stress and feel happier as they navigate their high school years. The free six-week course, The Science of Well-Being for Teens, launched January 16th on the online platform Coursera as short TikTok-length videos on the misconceptions about happiness, the behaviors, feelings, and thoughts that lead to mental well-being and how to obtain it. By Monday, more than 13,000 people had enrolled. We're not taking care of our young people today if, if we're not giving them strategies to navigate all the complex social, societal pressures that they face, said Lori Santos, a professor of psychology at Yale University who taught the original happiness course and filmed the online version for teens. We're really letting our young people down. Now, look at this our, Look at this stat. More than 37% of high school students report poor mental health. I talked about this, I think, on episode one of this season. 37% of high school students report poor mental health during the pandemic, according to a survey from the Centers for Disease and Control. Uh, and prevention. In the year leading up to the pandemic, 44% experienced persistent sadness or hopelessness, nearly 20% considered suicide, and 9% attempted suicide, the survey showed. The article goes on. Rethinking happiness, what happiness means, colon, watch this. In the first section, Santos explains how the human mind lies to people about what will make them happy. No duh. <laughs> you mean to tell me that my mind is darkened? You mean to tell me that there's ignorance in me? You mean to tell me that I think the wrong things naturally? <gasps> No, duh. Guess who said that first? Paul the Apostle. Anyway, here we are, Yale University, discovering that the Bible is actually true. So what does make happy? What does make us happy? Quote, a lot of teenagers are trying to be happy, she said, but sometimes they're going about it the wrong way or putting effort into the wrong things. End quote. Becoming other-oriented. The course focuses on things teens can do to feel happier. For example, making social connections, maintaining time affluence, a sense of free time, and being more, quote-unquote, other oriented than selfish, Stanto said. She tells teens that one of the most important behaviors they can make th that can make them happier is doing nice things for others, volunteering their time, donating their money or other things, or even doing random acts of kindness such as opening a door for someone else. Danielle, you might be trying to run from the Bible, but you keep running back into it because that's exactly the course that God has ascribed for us, prescribed for us to be happy, living for others. See, I'm old school. 
I'm from the days where we used to sing Sunday school songs, and one of the songs we used to sing was Jesus and others and you. Now that is the way to spell joy. Jesus, J, O, others, Y, you, joy. We used to sing those songs, right? We used to sing those songs because that's what, that's what Scripture teaches, such as the, the Scriptures. Romans 15, 2, let each person please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached me fell on me. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look out for the interests of others and not your own only. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then let us, as we have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Jesus, others, and you. And wouldn't you know, Yale has found out that what the Bible says about being happy has been true all along. Imagine what they'll say when they find out what the Bible says about how God created everything in six days. I think they'll be shocked, but hopefully they'll be, I don't know, happier. Amen? Guys, I'm so glad that you guys were here with me today on The Deep End. It is an absolute pleasure to bring you this content. I want to remind you that on the store at timhatchlive.com, we have some new, some new things for sale, new merch, and I have it here right in my hand. This is the Be Bold sweatshirt that is for sale right now at timhatchlive.com. It's got the verse. I love this verse uh, from Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So that's, that's what we are doing here on the deep end. We're being bold for Jesus. Bold as a lion there, the subscript on the shirt. I was wearing this last week. I am not wearing it this week. What I'm, what I'm wearing this week is the Tim Hatch Live hoodie, zip down hoodie. Underneath the zip down hoodie, I have the old deep end shirt, which I also recommend you head over to the website, timhatchlive.com, and purchase. And then people ask you about it. You say, well, let me tell you about, let me tell you about my pastor who's doing this really cool show that you are, what? Clicking that like button on, clicking that notification bell and the subscription button on, and making sure that you are sharing it on social media because you want the word to get out. That's one way to speak up. Share this content on social media with somebody or with everybody so that they know that they are not crazy if they think that men are men and women are women. Uh, support the channel if you want to. If it helps you, I appreciate it. Cash app, Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. And then there's the book offer there that we've been talking about forever. I'm going to stop talking about that because I don't know when the book is coming out. Anyway, the deep dive is back tomorrow night as we go through 1 Kings chapter 14. And if you didn't watch last week's episode, you can check out the videos from before. I'm absolutely loving the study in 1 Kings. One of the things that I love about doing the Bible verse-by-verse Bible studies on this channel is it forces me to cover portions of the Bible that you shouldn't, that, that you would normally not cover, not you shouldn't, but you normally wouldn't cover because you wouldn't be drawn to first Kings. A lot of it looks boring, but it's so incredible. The truths that God exposes to us through that teaching has been incredibly beneficial to me. And I hope so to you as well. By the way, 10 questions with Tim is next Thursday, not this Thursday, next Thursday. So get your questions in. Here's the deal. The deep end is not on next week. He's not on. Deep, the deep dive is not on next week. So it's going to be a two-week break, guys. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but we will be back with 10 questions with Tim next Thursday to answer some of your questions. I'm so glad that you guys were here. Make sure that you are following us on our social media channels. Make sure that you're leaving a podcast review. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the deep dive. God bless you. Stand for Christ. Because in the end, we win in Jesus' name. And it's not us versus them. It's us for him to influence them. God bless you. Take care. God bless.